Have you ever stood in a queue at a taxi rank and after and as you get into the combi, you realize that you have learned something? Sometimes it might be through having a conversation of the price hikes and have people have resorted to going to the cash shops because at least the price is affordable and you get all the products that you want. Sometimes people might have a conversation of the alternative products or alternative brands that they have used because their brand a particular brand that they used to use all their time all the time in their household is no longer available on the market and how someone used to doubt a particular product but it's working so well and they would recommend it to anyone if your women can just compliment someone's hairstyle how they like it and how it suits them and the next thing people are exchanging contacts they extend they're sharing the contact details of the hairdresser and the place that they got their the face products or even the hair extensions this episode evolves around the topic of pregnancy and infant loss and you feel that this episode might be heavy for you i understand and it's okay not to listen love and light the barbab and welcome to the barbab hope that you're well you're staying safe and practicing self-care women can be brought together because they use certain products for their hair they use certain products for their face or even some sanitary way that they would recommend if you're having a heavy flow and so many other things. But the three women in this podcast episode were brought together. They have one thing in common. They are women who carried but never held their children. They have got one thing in common. They all lost their children. But but they are also grieving differently. And how I wish that there were these three women and other women that I do not know are able to heal from the things that they don't talk about. People have been to, people have been talking about mental health ever since the pandemic hit. But how many women lost their children during the COVID nineteen pandemic or even before? Are we making noise about these conversations? But I believe that it's high time that we make noise about pregnancy and infant loss because it leaves a scar on a lot of women and even the fathers. There are fathers who looked forward to naming their children. There are fathers that look forward to holding their children or teaching their children to ride a bicycle. And every day as the day goes by, the mothers and even the fathers dread a particular date because it reminds them of the day that they lost their child. It reminds them of the day that when they went to the doctor's appointment, there was no heartbeat. Sometimes those women hate themselves because they do not know that they were carrying their children or they were pregnant. And sometimes those women hate their body because they believe that their bodies felt them. Some women hate their bodies because they thought that their bodies could carry their children, but their bodies were unable to do so. So I'd like to send hugs and prayers to all the women and the, the women out there We've got a lot of questions that no one has ever answered. And even the fathers who wish that their children were here. I hope that you carry their memories in your hearts. And I hope that you've got something that reminds them of your children. I know that sometimes when you see children who might have been the same age with your child, you wonder what they would have looked like if they were left-handed, if they were going to be naughty, if you're going to be scolding them when you go to church or if you go to town. But unfortunately, it still remains a memory. 
um the 15th october is world pregnancy infant world pregnancy and infant loss remembrance day so i'd like you to take time next week to remember those children to try and that will be on a sunday so that's why i did this podcast episode today so try to reach out to women that you know women have lost lost their children we meet women who go to the hospital sweating and screaming with the hope that when they when they are when they get discharged after a few days they'll be holding their children but unfortunately they leave the hospital empty-handed some women cry during the visiting hours not tears of joy but because they watch other women being hugged being congratulated by their loved ones but only for them to remind to 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 go through the trauma that they went through when they lost their child my mother always jokingly says that when you're giving birth you need to give birth to your children as if you're throwing up my mother doesn't say this is a way of mocking the next person but she say that you need to have your children whilst they're still young and and energetic because children can be a lot but i know that there are some people who are mean who ask a person why don't you have another child your child is already in 6th grade but you don't have another child what's why are you so lazy but there are some you can't tell everyone what you're going through you can't be telling them that i had an ectopic pregnancy you can't be telling them that i had a miscarriage or that i lost the child that i even carried the child but i was never able to hold them so woman number 1 she has experience of how she had an ectopic pregnancy and when she went to the scandals when she discovered that she had an ectopic pregnancy she says that she had abdominal pains and um she had abdominal pains and she was encouraged that she had to terminate the pregnancy so in the process of finding money and all her ovary became septic and she lost an ovary this is what she had to say when i asked her what she felt when she lost the child and the other thing is that she did not know that she was pregnant she suspected that her period might have been late well because i did not expect it also my personality covers up the pain i did not feel much i just moved on i did not know how to feel about having another baby so losing the ovary did not hurt at that time sometimes i think i wish they took the other one she means the ovary but while in theater i remember crying like i was grieving what i was losing but i never wanted to get attached to the emotion so i honestly don't know i don't know how to feel so this is what the woman says she doesn't know how to feel and she cried when she was in theater she cried over the loss of her child she she was in so much pain but she was never able to express how she felt um, and it made me realize that women grieve differently instead of her crying she picked herself up and moved on she avoided the pain but that doesn't make her less of a woman or someone who hates the child that she carried maybe she believes that that was the only way that she could move on and then the other woman had a miscarriage during the early stages of her pregnancy she felt vulnerable she felt lost she felt helpless it happened so fast because she was just going through her normal daily activities and then the next thing she lost her she was bleeding and then she lost the child it was traumatized this is what she had to say to say it was traumatizing the pain was excessive 
The worst part was that my husband had left for work the night before and I had to go through it all by myself. By the time he got back, got back to town, I was out of theater and that triggered a lot of emotions. At that point in time, you certainly need your partner by your side. And post the miscarriage, my emotions were all over and I could barely sleep. Sometimes I could cry myself to sleep. The sad part is that you do not have the answers to why it happened. It's just assumption after assumption. It took me time to, ma to manage the emotions and the feeling. So sometimes you ask yourself, why did this happen to me? Why did I lose the baby? You've got a lot of questions. You feel vulnerable. And I think that when these women, um, when, um, when, this, when, when you see someone who has a child, you avoid being in places where you're going to meet someone who's pregnant or someone who's breastfeeding their child. But we, live, we do not live in a bubble. We live in a world where everyone is going, by, going about their daily activities. So you try by all means to avoid these triggers. And you're so traumatized. You don't know how to process the emotions and feelings. Because one moment you're okay and then the next moment you're crying. You wish your partner was there. There's something that you, you plan. You plan that tomorrow you're going to work. Tomorrow you're going to do this. But this just happened so fast. And she felt helpless. And... I pray that I pray that she heals and she she's able to be in the right space and that she's able to maintain her emotions and feelings. And I would encourage that if you know someone who's going through who went through child loss or infant loss, pregnancy and infant loss, maybe they should look for someone that should they talk to and or even write a journal or even write I've watched I've had people sharing their stories of how they used to write their to their children that they have lost. They've made portraits and even frames for their child. They want to remember them. But if you think that remembering them is going to be a lot for you, maybe you have to let them go. And then the other woman had three miscarriages. And right now, she, she's holding a rainbow baby. God answers prayers is one of the things that she said. And she says that God restored what she had lost. And God brought her comfort. Um... I'm grateful because that in all this in in the season of child loss she she God gave her something that reminded God restored what she had lost i mean the this woman I'm going to summarize because she wrote a lot but she she felt anxious she 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 knew that nothing good lasts forever she lost her child when she got pregnant with her first um when she had the first miscarriage she had, she was already a mother. So she would sing and she had named her child. She was looking forward to having a child. So she was so attached. She could sing. She had given her a name. But now after she lost this child, she says that the other two, she did not give the other children names. She believed that nothing could last forever. You hear the child, you feel the child kicking. You go to the scan. You hear the heartbeat. But the next but the next daughter's appointment might be full of great bad news. Your heart is not at peace until you hold the child. Because sometimes you're so excited that at least this child is past six months. But then what if you lose this child? So you do, you're not ready to celebrate. You feel, I think, sometimes this mother number three felt detached to her children. Because she, she was afraid that if I get too attached to these children, to, to my unborn child, 
I'm going to lose her or him just like I did the other ones. And also her doctor's appointments always brought fear. She was, she, every day she lived her life in fear. Pregnancy is supposed to be an exciting time for the mother and the father. But I think in, in, in this mother's, mother number three case, it was different. She, she felt unsafe. She felt scared. She, everything, every day at the back of her mind, she was just afraid that I'm going to lose this unborn child just like I did the other ones. And then you don't get time to celebrate. You don't get time to make memories. You are scared. And I'll never wish this on anyone. And I'm great. And I'm grateful that this mother eventually held her rainbow baby. So I'm going to just read some of the things that she wrote because, as I said, it was too long. It was. Too, I'm just. I summarize how she felt, and then she said, "Um, when she lost the baby, um, the doctor confirmed that there was no heartbeat, and it was it was not easier for her. And the worst part was that, um." If if it had been up to me, I would have kept her inside of me, even if she was gone, just to hold her in my womb, but I had to force her out and the pain was unbearable. Going through all these contractions with no gift to hold, feeling her being forcefully expelled out of me with no proper goodbye. It was one of the worst experiences of my life and I did not know I was going to go through it all, all again with the next two pregnancies. So how was how was I going to hope for better? Against all odds, my rainbow my rainbow baby came, but he reminds me of all the ones that I've lost. I wonder what they could have looked like. Were they bubbly or cranky? I wouldn't have minded. All all I wanted was to hold them. I believe in life after death, but I do wonder if I'll ever get to see them, or they never existed. Or they were only real to me. These are some of the words that she said. But I think her children were not in imagination. I believe that her children were real. And it's unfortunate that she lost her children. But I'm grateful that she got her rainbow baby. And I pray that all the three women that shared their experiences. And the other women that I do not know are able to heal. So as we celebrate the month of October. Let us be kind to all the women that we know. Who, are, who have lost their children, be it after birth or even during pregnancy. Let's not be quick to judge. I know that society says that one child is not enough. But what if what some of the women that have got one children, that have got one child, are scared of having another child because of the trauma or even the things that they've, they've experienced? What am I looking forward to this week? I'm looking forward to learning something new, to receiving good news. What have I learned during the course of the week? That joy comes from anything. Not to be too hard on myself. And I've been um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I'm slowly turning into a podcast baby. I always remember to inhale positive energy and exhale negative energy. The moment we lost our language was the moment we lost our bodies, our gold, diamonds, coffee, and tea. The moment we accepted or being made to accept that we could not do the things with our language was the moment we accepted that we could moment we accepted that we could not make things with our vast resources. Welcome to the Baobab. I hope that you're well, you're staying safe, and above all, you're practicing self-care. 
I've decided to quote Ngugi Wathiong because on Saturday I attended the Arare Open Book Festival and most of the speakers were referring to Ngugi Wathiong um, quotes and his text about decolonizing the mind. So I've decided to look for the text decolonizing the mind and I'm sure by the time that I'm done reading this text, I would have seen how language or I would have appreciated more how language and how maybe colonization has affected us as Africans. When I attended the Arara Open Book Festival, it was my first time, so I wasn't sure of what what really happens there. But when I got there, I liked how the speakers were were, were sharing some of their personal experiences. And during it was more of a discussion rather than a conversation. It was more of a conversation rather than a discussion. So because they shared some of their personal experiences, it somehow broke the barrier between between the audience and the speakers so it was really a great time and i learned a lot the uh, the program was well planned and there were different speakers and some of the speakers spoke about translation and i learned that translating translation from one language to another let's say english to shona or shona to english has got a lot of challenges and Sometimes the, some of the benefits include that you end up embracing some ideas more when you translate them from, let's say, from English to your native language. Because there are some things that are not common to English. Let's say, um, the African, the African practices. Let's say the issues of totem, the issues of lobolam, the issues of kurovaguva. So now when it's translated from when so the challenge is that if someone now tries to translate them, let's say it's a Shona novel to English, it might be a challenge to the translator because how do they explain these practices when they are only unique to a particular race or a particular culture? It also helps in it also a translation from English to 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 a native language. It also is also helpful because sometimes the reader struggles, the writer might have struggled to explain, let's say, the issue of ululating or the issues of clapping hands, the issues of clan phrase. But now when they are translated to, to Shona or in Debele and people are now reciting their clan phrase, it brings you closer to home. You It reminds you of how your uncle used to... Used to used to recite the clan phrase when someone had excelled in school, it, it also reminds you of who you are and your identity. And in some cases, one thing that Ignatius Timabasa said was that when during the translation, you when you are translating a book, you end up becoming a part of the struggle. And sometimes yeah, they translated nervous conditions from Shona, from English to Shona. So he was saying that in a way he... He understood more of what Tsisi Dangarembo went through when she was writing the book. So sometimes when people begin to judge an author of how they wrote the book and even to criticize them, the moment that you translate, you become a part of the struggle. You you see how Tambu might have struggled during that time because most of the girls were not given enough opportunities and compared to the girls. And also, during translation, there are some practices that you... You struggle, or, or, or there are some practices that are not common to a particular language. So you end up maybe trying to recreate them, and but also the issue of translation, it I think is exciting to the writer, and because there are some people who are keen on reading some books, but they they feel that they'll be comfortable reading them in in an 
in a in their language they say in shona and debele so the moment that someone translate them is also helpful uh, some of the uh, some of the conversation that we had was about book clubbing in Zimbabwe. So there were two book clubs. Haras, the speakers were from Harare Book Club and then Elite Book Club, and they shared how some book club members of the book club end up making connections, uh, making friendships, even relationships. So people just don't go for a book club just to read a book. It might be a chance for you to fall in love. It might be you don't know. Maybe your next client is is going. You're going to meet them at a book club, and make friends for life. About it, the issue of making friends, I can actually emphasize about that because when I joined Afro Afro Bloggers, which is a community of bloggers, bloggers, podcasters, and all, I I do not know anyone, but I've made friends. Um, one of my friends, Kuz and I, we've been friends since 2021 but we met through afro bloggers so sometimes when you when you're in a part of a community you make relationships and friends that are going to last and they encourage that and so they shared some of the practices that they do in their book club one of the book clubs say that when they 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 push they they give a deadline let's say they're reading chapter one for a particular book chapter two of a particular book by the end of the week and people are expected to write a summary and also the application of the book. Uh, I believe that this book lab reads self-help books, self-help books. So they give a summary of 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 summary of the chapter and application of what the chap how they can applica- apply the chapter in their day-to-day lives. And also at the end they meet, they they finish reading the book, they meet, they discuss the book. And the other book clubs say they can meet they can have a physical meeting but if you can't be there physically they share a zoom link and then you become a part of the conversation and then some of the book clubs say that if you don't read the book you pay you're kicked out and sometimes you have to pay a fine to come back in the book club i believe that it's a good practice because there's some people who end up being lazy and just making excuses just because they want to be part of a community but they don't do the work the same with when we're in school if you didn't do a certain task you were given a certain punishment so i don't think it's a bad thing but it's encouraging us because you're the one who wanted to be in the book club so you have to do the work um the also uh, the other con- uh, conversation about was about writing in another language and do you have and um and they are writing in another language and if you are able to have more readers and how the journey is i liked how the speaker said that you are able to embrace your culture and your tradition you are able to to speak what's on your mind and how you feel because sometimes it's difficult to there's something that difficult to write in in, in english let's say if in Shona, if you say Akamuriza Nimbama, you can actually hear the sound of the slip on someone's cheek. But now when you're writing it in Shona, is there is no emphasis. And there are some words that are that don't even have uh, Shona slang and some words that are difficult to translate to English. So they say that you're able to embrace your culture, you're able to embrace your tradition. And but sometimes you say uh, there is there is limited readership because there are some people, let's say if you're writing in Shona your audience you don't you might there are some play, people who don't understand shona and can't even read shona but now because of moving and all there are some people who, who are able to speak but they are not able to read a certain language so she also said that um there are more opportunities nowadays because uh, some universities are still practicing reading or studying language 
so your books end up being a sad book and you're being asked to speak in seminars and all so there's a lot of readership because there's some people maybe back home um kumusha who would like to read a book so instead of just going there with a lot of groceries at the end of the month why don't you just buy them the favorite shona or develop book or kalanga book or the zuru book and then you give them so that they read i'm sure it would make them smile let's say right now they are sitting by the shade and reading that book they would appreciate it more um i would i really wonder why i don't have a poetry book up to up to today i've read some poets poems even poetry books but i don't own one and after yesterday discussion about poetry i for i forced myself to buy a poetry book next month so and after i've done reading that book i'm going to be reviewing it and the poets say that poetry can be used as a tool of healing you can even share your personal experiences and even your struggles and when you're writing you sometimes you think that this this manuscript is just good enough for publishing but when you give it to your editor the editor says that you need to start again you need to put more work and also writing is not a one thing process that's one thing that the poets say they said writing is a process and you need to take time because you might write a book today and then you think you want to publish it tomorrow but you need to take time you need to ask consult other people who have been writing for a long time and i liked how the some of one of the poets said that you sometimes tanaka chidora said sometimes you need to write in someone else's voice there are some poems that you don't you can't write in your in your voice let's say the issues of chimurenga you can't be writing about that when i'm just a 20 something year old female you need to borrow someone's voice let's say gogo who's in bikita gogo who believed that during the war uh who says but you 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 everyone wasn't there except gogo gogo is the only survivor in your village um who went to the war so when gogo is saying this thing there are some words that she cannot use there are some the way that she describes certain things are different to the way that you describe it even the tone even the language and the voice and when you say that i could i and when he read some a, a, a poem that he he wrote about borrowing someone's voice it had more emphasis because he had explained about it so even when you read it it's someone else's voice and you when you're reading reading it you're no longer using your voice but it's someone else's voice and you can see the picture of how gogo maybe has got wrinkles gogo has got a scar on a leg because she went to war so it brings you closer and you're able to connect with someone who went to war through even poems um reading i want there are some people um there are two friends from zambia one friend from Zambia and the other friend from South Africa who shared their experiences or even the books that they have read from Zimbabwe. Uh, um, they also say that, I've also learned that books connect people when you're reading a book. You become aware of what's going through, what's going through, what's going through someone's mind or even what's, going, what's happening in, in your neighbor's country or even in your neighbor's, con, neighbor's life let's say in the case of zimbabwe because when you read a certain book when there's one of the readers one of the guest speakers say that when they read a story about no um no violence blawayo we need new names she she was able to understand how life was during the time of the 2008 era and you are able to connect to the readers and she also said that when she read the harvest of thorns and when Benjamin did not return, Benjamin Benjamin died. The pain that she went through, considering that um 
Um, one of the, the speakers from Zambia was already born after Zambia had attained its independence. So she had never, she was able to connect with people, let's say in Zimbabwe, who lost their lovers during the independence struggle when they were young and at a particular age. And also reading breaks barriers. It breaks a wall. When you read a book, you become a South African, when you read a South African book, you become to see life in a South African way, when you read a book, there is no longer barrier that I'm Zimbabwean or South African or Zambian. You become one because the only thing that's bringing you together is reading book. And what I loved about the Arad Open Book Festival, I met Bettina Gava. I have been a fan of her work. I read three of her books and it was nice to meet her and also take a selfie. I liked how it was a day of just having conversation around books. There are people who read books in Arari, even in Zimbabwe. And I'll, and I'm sure that there's some of the things that we need to, to do more often because people read books. We need to promote the reading culture because they are general, because these days they are no longer people who've got time to go to libraries, but books are everywhere. We even have a mobile bookstore, Harare Book Fantastic. So even if you're looking for a book, you can look up for Book Fantastics and that's for the book that you want. So Back then, that's when people needed to go to the library and borrow a book. But now you can just get your book and then you read it. And review, they also, some, most of the, the speakers were encouraging people to review their books. Because the moment that you review a book, that's how someone bumps into someone's else's book. And I feel guilty for not read, for reading some books and failing to review them. I think I need to do better. I was also able to buy my own book. After all the confusion, I decided to make a purchase. And I bought a family, a family portrait, which is a book about the issues of domestic violence. And I'm looking forward to reading it. But it was nice just being, just standing by the store and may, deciding that I want this book. I want this book. I want this book. I wish I could get all the books, but I just said I'd get one and get another one next month. It was a well-planned event and the program was good. Were, even though there were some hiccups about around time. It was going on so well, and the venue we were at Ella in the Garden in Newlands, and some I know that some people don't like going to events because they end up saying, "Where, where will I, where will I get the food? Um, would they be shade? Consider that that is hot." But I like that there was shade, and there even tents so that people were not in the sun, and there was food at the restaurant, so you could just order your food and go about and enjoy the day, not feeling that ah, I need to go home now because I'm hungry. What have I learned? I've learned to appreciate the small things. I've also learned to do all the things that I want while I can. That's why I went to the Arado Open Book Festival. There's a first time for everything. And I've realized that solo dates are not a bad idea. You can actually go on a solo date. It's good for you. And it's not a crime to just spoil yourself. What am I looking forward to this week? Looking forward to receiving good news to be the best version of myself. And to... Encourage someone out there. Always remember to inhale positive energy and exhale negative energy.